Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, you love the show, right? Show off that love with a shirt from loisrules.com or get your gimmick at boxagimmicks.com, the official store of what happened when. Posters, hats, tumblers, accessories, and more. Boxagimmicks.com. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She is easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye-flawless, near-colorless, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent, full, one-carat, round, brilliant-cut diamond is only... Thirty-one ninety-eight. How about that? Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus, free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Stephen's showroom is open by appointment only. Or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love engagement ring. Stephen Singer Jewelers. Real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com man. Christmas is going to be here before you know it. And unfortunately that's going to be extra stress this year with lots of added expenses. Of course you got to do your holiday shopping, but there's probably going to be some travel involved. Uh, it's just been a tough year, but I want to make this the best Christmas ever. And listen, you may have tried to do this in the past, but what you wound up with was a big credit card bill and a new year's resolution to get out of debt and actually start saving money. Why do we wait until next year to do that? Here's a pro tip for you. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Go to savewithconrad.com right now. We're going to show you how to skip your single biggest bill for the next two months. If you haven't already, you don't have to make your November or your December payment. You're done until next year. And next year, of course, you're going to start the new year with no, you hear me? No credit card debt. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners get rid of all their credit card debt, but take advantage of these great rates while we've still got them. You can pay your house off faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments, but maybe best of all, get the cash you need just in time for the holidays. Don't start 2021 off on the wrong foot where you feel like you're digging yourself out of a hole. Historically, most American families dig themselves into credit card debt that it takes months to dig out of all from Christmas shopping. Don't do that. There's a better way. Skip your next two house payments, get a better interest rate, lower your monthly payments and get rid of your credit card debt, just like that, at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. 
ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Welcome to WHW Monday. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. Jim Crockett for Starcade, 605 NWA. TV title, Cajun Omni, the Bunkhouse Stampede. Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express Tactics. Turner, Barton, Mid-South Joint World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotion. Tony Enfers, North they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Under Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinny Mac, simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad, not your classy podcast. Watch along, try not to laugh, lowest rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan, Tom Ziggs a good looking man. Quondike Bill, make a chair. Tommy, you come over here. What happened when? WHW Monday. And now, let's go to the ring, and here's your co-host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? With the voice of your childhood, Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you, bud? Man, I'm doing so good. You and I are recording first thing this morning, and uh, I love doing that because I don't know that there's much better than a shit shower and shave combination. Get your day started right. But unfortunately, Tony, I've got bad news. Okay. You're still full of shit. No, even worse. I took a shower and Mm -hmm. then had to shit. Oh, tried to shit ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Wasn't happening. Took the shower, get dried off. Just as my luck time to go. So that's less than ideal, but I got to tell you, Tony, I don't know that there's a better feeling than a good evacuation. First thing in the morning. Here's how you and I differ. We had different in many ways, but I do not evacuate in the mornings. What? I do it at night for some reason. You're I've in- always been a, I've always been a night shitter. <laughs> oh, always you're a t- night shitter. <laughs> you're, you're, I feel like that's a shirt already. Uh, you're, got me. <laughs> you're, you're taking this, um, Batman shit a little too far. It's okay to poop during the day tone. If, if I'm pooping during the day, it's because something's wrong. Really? Yeah. I'm pooping at night, man. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's right after dinner. Uh, when we do have dinner here and it's, uh, it's normally like right before bed sometimes. So I'm evacuated and then I don't have that extra poundage when I lay down in bed, I guess. Let me, I, I don't know the reason. I don't know the reason, but yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a night shitter. Is it, uh, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know another way to ask this, I guess. Oh boy. Go ahead. Ask it. Um, before you and Lois are intimate, does she ever, like, huh? Oh, okay. Does she ever say, uh, let me go make some room. No, no, she never did. That's, that was, uh, one of the better jokes that I ever heard Amy Schumer tell. And I thought, boy, that's, that's a Tony Schiavone joke. If I ever heard one, no, it's not. let me go make some room. No, that, no, I'm not. That's, uh, that would be something that 
would be would be apropos had I been intimate with Whitney, but not Lois. Boy, we are really digging deep here, so to speak. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would have used that phrase exactly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're so glad you're you're with us today because we're talking about one of the more interesting times in professional wrestling history. Certainly uh, one of the more interesting times of Tony Schiavone's career. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this because we're covering world championship wrestling from 1988, November 12th, 1988. In fact, and there's a lot of moving parts here. You still there? Yeah. Just thought you might want to tag in about. Well, they, you, you kind of, uh, you kind of ended that sentence on like an upswing as oh. if you had another thought. And I was letting you finish. Well, my apologies. I'm just, I'm fascinated by this era because, well, or we know that things are not going well with Crockett. We know right. that things are not going well between Flair and Dusty. We know that the WWF has really put a hurting on Crockett's business. We know that Arn and Tully have flown the coop, so to speak. They've now gone to work for Vince McMahon and, um, Tully apparently talked to some Turner executives, uh, and, and gave his two cents and it wasn't viewed favorably by David Crockett. David mm. kicked him off the private plane. Mm. They weren't happy with the payoffs. They put their notice in they're out of here. So the horseman, as we know it done, Jim Crockett promotions circling the drain, dusty's on his last leg. He's going to maintain his spot as both booker and performer. For another month or so, maybe three more weeks. And then he's going to have the Booker rug pulled out from under him. We're going to cover that next month. Uh, but then not too terribly long after that, he's out of here too. He's going to the WWF and I guess in you know, less than two months, Jim Hurd is here and it is a new day for this promotion uh, under Ted Turner's regime. And I think what Tony, like. Two months after this, you get your best contract you ever had at that point, but you still wind up saying, nope, don't like this. I'm going to work for Vince McMahon. Yeah, it was a, a terrible, uh, I don't know if terrible is the right thing. It was a transitional time for me in my career. Everyone, it seems like everyone in this whole promotion. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to make, uh, make sense of my career. Uh, and it seems to me that I have been involved in promotions, uh, at some, uh, at some very bad times. Now you would say, well, you are the common thread and all that. Of course you are. And that would, I would say you're full of shit, but as we already have, uh, have, um, uh, documented, you're not this morning. Um, but you are so, but, uh, I, it, it, it was a, it was not a good time and it had a different feel to it because of that. And it had a different feel to it because Jr. was now a part of our broadcast team, which David did not like at all because at this point, Jr. and I, and, and you know, we'll listen, I'm sure to parts of it. Jr. and I were doing the commentary and David was just doing the interviews. So Jr. had come in and disrupted the team of Tony and David doing the commentary together. So it was Tony and JR. 
Uh, it started out with Tony Jr. and David Crockett, and David realized that Jim was like a bull in a china shop. Jim was very ambitious, good guy, but very ambitious, and it was very apparent. And he was not shy about talking on camera. He was going to be Jr. Jim Ross at that time, the same Jim Ross that was on um, Mid South Wrestling, and he was going to take advantage of a national TV spot. So David just kind of stepped back. And Jr. kind of took over that spot, and David still did the interviews. So it was a very interesting time, and uh, things were going so badly that we brought in Paulie Dangerously, which is a death knell. Uh, and the good news is Paul did not eat five pies in the back like he had been known to do now. <sighs> I'm kidding. I'm having a fun, I've been a fat ass all my life. So it's, e it's easy for a fat ass to tease another one. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about some of that before we fire up your WWE network, we're going to watch this show and we're going to watch it together. It's notable for a few things. It's just an interesting time to take a look, I guess, because we're definitely a company in transition. But Meltzer would write around this same time. I can't reveal much right now about some of the new things that will happen, but on the surface, it appears things are going to get worse before they get better. The new regime will start in January and the present plan is to have dusty roads as a key part of it. Although in theory, his power will be reduced some, uh, the new year, but he'll still be a powerful force. And Ric Flair's title reign is still in some jeopardy at Starcade. I believe Jim Crockett and Bill Watts did reach a settlement on the money owed, but that isn't confirmed. Morale here is horrible. And there seems to be no direction. The angles are headed. For example, Cornette's midnight express are hot baby faces on television, but they're still working as heels in the arenas. That's just, I don't know. There's a lot to unwrap here. Hmm. There's a lot uh, of moving parts, as I said, and there's various reports that give you, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like the rumor in innuendo is in this era, dusty Rhodes is so annoyed with Ric Flair. So frustrated with Ric Flair that he wants Starcade, which is now no longer right after Thanksgiving. Instead right, it's, it's in late December they want, and he's told you're going to wrestle. Rick Steiner in the main event of Starcade, and he's going to beat you right away. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about that story. What? I'd never heard that until you, you mentioned that on a earlier, uh, episode of what happened when I had never heard that at all. Here's what was written. The top of the card, which dusty Rhodes came up with had Ric Flair versus Rick Steiner for the NWA title on top road warriors versus sting and Luger. Wyndham versus dusty for the U S title as the feature matches. And I have to carefully tread on this story, but this past Monday afternoon, Ric Flair had a meeting at TBS and was informed of his match and of the finish. Flair stormed out of the meeting, missed the TBS tapings that night. And for a 24 hour period, it was touch and go, whether he'd finally go to Titan since he's been talking of late about the matches he could have with Randy Savage. Well, Jack Petrick of TBS has learned more about the wrestling business over the past seven days than most learn in a year. And by Tuesday talked flair into staying at that point, the main event was flair versus Luger with two matches underneath uncertain. 
but that the deal was made between Petrick and Flair with Rhodes not involved in any of that decision-making. Rhodes was furious, as you can imagine, and he and Jim Crockett tried to explain to Petrick various reasons why the scenario he had wouldn't work. And they would write, I can't go into details because it would give away a possible finish. And they tried to talk Petrick back into seeing things their way and then failing, tried to talk him into switching the main event to Flair versus that Jap, which, uh, Meltzer notes is Tenru. Uh-huh. who Flair himself wanted to wrestle despite the fact that it would have no box office impact because he wanted a great, stiff, realistic match and also wanted to get himself and the NWA title over as the real world title in Japan and wanted to open up a Japanese style more to United States fans. Later, Crockett dispatched Jim Barnett to convince Flair to see things Dusty's way on Thursday, but the last word I have is that it will indeed be Flair versus Luger on top. The story doesn't end here because this weekend has been full of turmoil and disaster for the NWA. There've been several no shows every night, finishing off with a near record 12, no shows in Chicago. Most importantly, dusty Rhodes missed all three major cards this weekend. And it isn't clear to anyone as to why, whether the pressure of being accountable and not having 100% carte blanche when it comes to booking is taking its toll or whether it's a protest for being overruled or something else completely. However, on Friday night at the DC armory in Washington, Rhodes was scheduled to wrestle flair for the title on top and no showed without leaving any word. They waited until 8 PM, the show start time for his arrival. And since he gives finishes and had nothing worked out for the card, when he didn't arrive, Kevin Sullivan and Gary Jester had to frantically put together a replacement card and work out match finishes and actually completed the show with very few mishaps. Road Warrior Hawk missed Thursday and Friday with a bad back, but he was back to work on Saturday and the injury is legit. He was in town Friday, but was in so much pain and with Rhodes not even there, he decided uh, to turn the main event into Flair and Animal against Sting and Luger with Sting pinning Flair in the finish. Bobby Eaton missed the weekend, but his absence was excused. Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, and Jim Cornette were also not there. Dusty wasn't there. Bam Bam wasn't there. Etc. 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 It's just remarkable that this thing is unraveling in a hurry. And when TBS hears about all the no shows, apparently they're very upset because they want to run a first class operation. And just for practical purposes, you know, promoting guys who don't show up, that's not good. Any of this ringing a bell, Tony? I know you weren't paying attention here. You were counting your money for Vince. No, 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 no. I was paying attention because I'm listening and I'm thinking about, uh, my, my response to all this and why don't we roll tape and I'll talk about it more. I, uh, I'm really excited to watch this show with you because, you know, I just did that interview with Jim Hurd and I feel like, I don't know. I'm more in tuned with how chaotic it was at the end of, of Crockett's reign here. Let's, uh, let's do a little bit of a countdown and let's get going on the show. As a reminder, it's November 12th, 1988 world championship wrestling. It's got a one hour, 21 minute time, uh, runtime. It's November 12th, 1988 world championship wrestling. So go to in ring, scroll down to CWCW, scoot over, see that famous little globe logo. Click that one, click 88, scoot down November 12th. Boom. You're good to go. And make sure you play the stupid ad. I can't believe ads are back here on the WWE network. I got a text. 
fence about that. Tell them to get rid of that. We don't like it. And then, uh, I'll be ready when you're ready. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, and let's bring in our countdown person. It's going to be a good one this week. This is Britt Bauckham of Shreveport, Louisiana. Proud to be a listener of what happened when ladies, gentlemen, and whatever Dave Silva claims to be for this week, welcome to the greatest show that is not a she show. Go out, run to your cabinet right now, and grab your favorite hobo food, whether that be a can of Vienna sausages or a can of Spam. Today, you are going to hear from the man. No, 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 no. Not Ric Flair. The man. The voice of our childhood. My personal hero, and most important of all, Bug's dad. Love you, Bug. Ladies and gents, Tony Schiavone! And now, here's the countdown. Three, two, one, play. Why couldn't you have done this during the Russian assassins? They don't have nothing. They're telling me what to do. Please, hold on. Hello? Somebody ought to tell you what to do. Hello? Hold on. Jim, Cornette, it is for you. I don't have time to take phone calls on national television, Tony. Hang it up. Is it collect? Tell him to call me. What? Hello. What? Who? Who is this? Who is it really? You, say that one more time. It is you, you little jerk. What? Wait. What did you do? You call up to to, to gloat about us losing the titles now, or what? Huh? You little jerk. All right, I tell you what, the same thing that I've always told you goes ever since you started this whole thing in the first place. Anytime you want to show up, brother, we'll take you head on. We ain't scared of you. You're a jerk, and those two are geeks. Okay, well, yeah, anytime, like I made the offer to you before, anytime you want to show up, we'll settle a thing once and for all. In the meantime, you know what this sounds like? Listen. Hey. By the way, uh, Meltzer put that over as one of the better interviews he'd seen on TV. Because <laughs> it was it was a fucking great skit, you don't think? Yeah, I I I enjoyed it. I I uh, I did. Well, I I always enjoyed working with Jim. I always enjoyed anything I did with him. It was fun. Uh, he was. Here we go. Hey, look at this crew. Oh, there they go. Let's track it. Jim Ross and David Crockett ringside with World Championship Wrestling once again. You saw at the top of the program the phone call. I guess the phone call out of the blue to Jim Cordette. We're going to take a look at exactly what happened, what transpired right after the phone call was taken right here at our studios just last week, David. Well, Jim, I'm going to be talking to Jim Cornette. Also, I'm going to be talking to the original Midnight Express. Also, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Lex Luger, and many more. And fans, this is the hour that you're going to see in this program. The heavyweight champion of the world, Ric Flair, will be wrestling right here in the studio within the next two hours, and that in itself is a treat. And once again, Abdullah the Butcher is back with us, along with Gary Hart, of course. We're also going to see the Fantastics as we get even closer, of course, to a big event coming up. Battle Stars 88, the road to Starcade here in the month of November. So it's a great two hours of world championship wrestling with all the NWA's top stars. And I'll tell you what, we talked about controversy here last week. There's a man right here right now that we're going to bring in, Paul E. Dangerously, that made a big impact here last week, gentlemen. Yeah, he did. And he'll be introducing his team here momentarily. They said we were too bad. They said we were too dangerous. But we are the original Loverboy Dennis and Ravishing Randy, the original Midnight Express. I got to tell you, I love everything about this open 
And man, if, if you can't get in a stout, oh my gosh. I love me some lover boy, Dennis, but we make a Randy's look here. Dick, he knows how to weld. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's got, he, he works in one of them garages along the, uh, along the road between Chattanooga and, uh, and Huntsville. I'll just tell you this. If you need your goddamn U joint, well, did you call one man? You call Randy. You hear me? <laughs> By the way, I think we've talked about this before. Dennis Condry lives like four minutes from my parents' house. Yeah, we did. We did talk about that. And, uh, I remember I, I, I talked about the story with someone the other night. I can't remember, you know, Dennis was, uh, uh, he was no nonsense guy and was no nonsense guy when it came to not only, well, a lot of things, but obviously when it came to wrestling and, and dealing with, and I'm sure you've read Jim Cornette's book and, but I remember, remember Starcade 86 yep. and, uh, yeah, the, uh, night of the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to Dennis about that and I was talking to him while we were in a commercial break or while we were waiting to do an interview. And I said, I said to him and Bobby, I said, good God. I said, this is such a, just a fucking dangerous thing that you guys are going to do. I hope you guys are going to get paid well for it. And he said, well, we better, or there'll never be another. <laughs> so that's just the way he was. And yeah, I like Dennis a lot, man. I, I just, uh, you know, Stan Lane was great. He was, and he still is. But to me, the Midnight Express was always Bobby and Dennis. And that's because they were the first ones that I knew. You guys might have heard about the mobile game called 80s Mania Wrestling Returns. It's a pro wrestling general manager game. You can play on your Apple or Android device. And the premise is simple. You collect cards for wrestlers, managers, match types, and more. The better shows you book, the more in-game cash you'll earn to collect more cards. There's all sorts of secret unlockable rewards in the game, too. Team up the right wrestlers and you'll unlock their tag team card. Match certain wrestlers against each other and you'll unlock their feud card. The universe of characters in this game is awesome too. Considering the game is set in the eighties and nineties, also known as the two greatest decades in the history of pop culture and pro wrestling. Eighties many wrestling return is free to play. And the developers are constantly updating the game with new characters and new features. And did you know that there's a second game like this called modern mania wrestling. Now, this one is based on the current world of pro wrestling and has a whole new cast of characters and lots of cool new features too. Just search for eighties mania wrestling returns or modern mania wrestling in the app store or Google play store. Now, once you've played through the in-game tutorial, head over to the setting screen and enter the cheat code Conrad C O N R A D to unlock a bunch of wrestler cards and game cash. The cheat code works for both games. Wrestling fans, pop culture fans, check these games out. You won't regret it. Modern Mania Wrestling and 80s Mania Wrestling returns. If I recall, we never knew that open that I'm running down stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm billboarding who's going to be on the show and JR does. We, we, we were never told what to say. We just went out there and did it. We saw the format. We saw what was on the show and very quickly. Uh, I would, uh, I would open up and I would run down some things knowing who was on the show, David Wood, Jr. Wood, And then I would finish up with some other people. And that's how we did things back then. No rehearsal. Nobody knew what they were going to say. It was just really, it was just, it was like working a match, right? It was, you just improvised. 
And, and I kind of miss that, but I understand why we do it the way we do it today. What'd you think, uh, watching it back of old pocket square Jones, Jim Ross rocking that pocket square. He always rocked a uh, pocket square and there was a, uh, I may have told this story before, but it's one of the funnier stories. Jim one day, you know, he would fly in from Dallas and there was one day that his flight was delayed and we delayed the TV taping and not only because his flight was delayed, but it was a bunch of guys who hadn't arrived yet because of travel. And, you know, it was usually we did it Saturday morning. Sometimes we had to push it later. We couldn't push it too late because it was live to tape. And then sometimes we would tape, you know, a week ahead, but so Jim is late and he's mad because he's late. And Jim would always sit in first class, like he still does today. And Jim had, because of his anger, he had had probably a, a couple of, uh, oh, I don't know, a couple of drinks. And he showed up really, really pissed off. And I could tell that he had been drinking a little bit, nothing bad. And so... We started out the show and JJ came out. He was going to start the show with us, JJ. And <laughs> JJ was, was, was just egging Jim on like, yeah. So you, your flight's late, huh? And he was just, he was, he was just trying to get Jim pissed off as you know, JJ could really bust your balls and he grabbed Jim's pocket square and pulled it out to where it was real long. Okay. And we did the open of the show with that long pocket square in. And after we, after we went to black or after we went to the first break, Jim noticed the pocket square was up and he looked at me. He said, did you know this was like this? I said, yeah. He said, that goddamn JJ. He said, I just did the open of a goddamn show and I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> he stuffed that down. He was so fucking mad. He was mad at me because I didn't say anything, but it was almost like three, two, JJ pulls the pocket square up one. You're on the air. So I just remember him being so fucking mad at me and JJ. I look like a goddamn idiot. Uh, and see now here, da you want to track this? D David's running the interviews now. Here we go. The original midnight express. You hear the fans out here. You hear what they're calling for. Don't you <laughs> see the people have already made their decision. The people, oh, this camera, hey, I'm new around here. I don't belong in the NWA, so I don't know which cameras go. Because you see, the NWA did not want Pauline Angel the original Midnight Express, because we came here and we said, hey, look at everywhere we've been. We beat everybody in our path. They said, hey, we got the Midnight Express. What do we need you guys for? I said, hey, Loverboy Dennis and Ravishing Randy are the original Midnight Express. Loverboy Dennis and Ravishing Randy are the Midnight Express. They said, hey, we got Jim Cornette. We got Bobby Eaton. We got Stan Lane. Well, I'll tell you what. You can have the people on your side, Jim Cornette, Bobby Eaton, and Stan Lane. But I've said it for 18 months. I said that this man right here carried you for five long years. Well, last week on this TV, last week right here in this very studio, Jim Cornette, 
Dennis Condry didn't carry Jim Cornette and Bobby Eaton. The paramedics did, and they carried you out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard from the original. Ravishing Randy looks like he'd be comfortable at a nudist colony, doesn't he? <laughs> I don't know what being comfortable at a nudist colony looks like. But... Ravishing Randy. Okay. But there you go. <clears throat> hey, uh, so, uh, ooh, Barry Wyndham, U.S. heavyweight champion with JJ Dillon. How about Barry, man? In this era, golly, I think you could go back. Hey, how about this? If you're an aspiring wrestler and, uh, you want to learn some stuff, go back and watch Barry Wyndham, 86, 87, 88. I think that's about as good as it gets. A criminally underrated performer had his own style. No such thing as a bad match with him in that era. And, uh, he's bigger than everybody for the most part. He's just, but he still makes it work. And that's not normal for this era. In this era, guys who were his height, quote unquote, wrestled like a big man. And I mean, look at him doing that, doing his you best Ricky, the dragon steamboat impression. You know, who he's wrestling and I, it just hit me. He's wrestling, uh, Scott firebreaker Ch- trip, uh, chip. Yep. Holy shit. Curtis Thompson. As Arn Anderson would have called him windbreaker chip. Yeah. <laughs> Arn has made it real clear. He was not a fan of this person. Uh, he was, uh, I, I think you really, you're talking about the other one. Well, well, they get lumped in together these days by Arn. Yeah, right. Yeah, more than him. And, and Arn tells a great story about that. But uh, the kid looked pretty good, didn't he? Oh, I mean, he has a great look. He looks like he's, you know, a WWF style guy just based on right. physique. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's a real life action figure. Yeah. Man, good, good. St- I, I just. Uh, you know, I was thinking about what we were talking about earlier about uh, this ter- uh, this uh, tumultuous time that we had in the NWA, and and uh, Meltzer had asked the question. He didn't know if all the misses were legit or just attitude, and most of them were, were attitude. Uh, Dusty missing that show in in Washington D.C. I don't know the backstory of why he missed it exactly, but I can tell you that. I'm almost a hundred percent sure he missed it as just saying, fuck it. Being pissed off as to what was going on. Let me, let me catch you up on this too. I don't know that we've talked about this and I don't mean to cut you off, but I think it's important for the story. Okay. Flair used to get himself in financial trouble with some regularity. He daily, he'd go out spend. and, And here's the thing. He started making a lot of money, very young, very early. So yep. he just went through it like water. Cause you know what? I, I'll make more tomorrow. And that attitude mm-hmm. carried him for a long time. Sure. But occasionally he'd get himself in financial jams. And, and one of those things sometimes was a little trouble with the IRS and he needed a lump sum of cash that he didn't have access to because he had spent his on cars and watches and fur coats. So he goes to Crockett and negotiates advances and they use that as leverage to get him to sign new contracts, which makes sense. You don't want to loan money to a guy who's leaving your promotion. You want to make sure if I'm going to give him this money, he's going to stick around. So I understand why they were businessmen about that. However, it does reduce some of his leverage. And one of those times is he resigns here in 88, instead of jumping to WWF and especially around SummerSlam, where they were really courting him and thought they had him for the brother love show. Anyway, I say all that to say. 
immediately upon signing that contract or almost immediately the Turner deal is finalized and flair starts to put two and two together, which was Ted wasn't going to buy this thing unless I was involved. Why would Jim Crockett beat me up on money and try to push my number down? If he wasn't going to be the one paying it anyway, it's going to be this other billionaire, Ted Turner. If I was that important to the sale, Jim, after all I had done and we had done together should have looked out for me and let me get a monster payday here. But instead he looked out for his own family and not mine and got himself a big payday. And I got a nominal bump. And then on top of that, now dusty wants him cause he's tired of him politically and creatively. And he wants Rick, Rick Steiner to beat him very quickly for the belt. I understand why he's so upset. And Meltzer would even write the real story behind this. In my mind is there's been a major power play going on behind the scenes between Rhodes and flair. One day flair woke up and realized just how much he'd allowed himself and the title to be abused. And also realized just how little the title meant to the casual fans because of the cheap way the champion had been portrayed, particularly over the last year with all the ref bump DQ finishes. Flair has flat out refused to do those finishes, particularly with Lex Luger and Rhodes and Crockett tried to paint flair as a prima donna and not a team player to Jack Petrick. And by the way, if you're not in the loop, once Turner takes over, he brings in Jack Petrick and says, you're running all of, of TBS programming now. So you're, you're my right-hand man. Petrick is friends with Jim Hurd and knew that Hurd had worked with wrestling in the chase in St. Louis. So he wants to bring him in, but Hurd can't start until January because he has some vesting with his pizza hut retirement. And if he leaves right now, it's a, it's a risk, but if he comes in in January, he's good to go. So Patrick thinks, well, how hard can this be? I'll just hold it together for a couple months. No big deal. Uh, he just stepped off into more than he expected. And so Patrick has now pacified flair and it's written in the observer. Part of the reason is also that flair has received a lucrative offer from TBS and TBS is working on marketing flair as the focal point of their promotion in 89 as a baby face. They're going to make a flair book, a flair videotape, et cetera, after this run. And they're basically trying to copy what exactly Hogan had done with the WWF. There's also a clause in the deal that gave flair unprecedented power for a world champion and Rhodes and Crockett were upset. Flair was given that type of power. And Rhodes felt flair quote, went behind his back in negotiating the contract and getting that certain power in response, Rhodes only booked flair for five shows the entire month of December and attempted to get attempted to get the title off him at Starcade, but it appears to have backfired entirely. As far as I know, Rhodes is still the booker. And I assume Kevin Sullivan is in reality, the booker and that the promotion is in shambles temporarily due to the lack of leadership and guidance, which has to be addressed quickly. And in my own opinion. That will be very difficult to salvage anything from Starcade becoming a very vulnerable build-up time that's been lost in this infighting and petty burying. Rhodes also planned to bring in his 18-year-old son Dustin, along with Kendall William, as the Texas Broncos and give them a decent babyface push, but the timing of that just couldn't have been worse. Wow, it, it's like the fucking behind-the-scenes stuff is more fascinating and, and, and interesting than what we even see on TV. Yeah, it's because it is. And here's another thing too, that there was a feeling and this is, uh, this was pretty prevalent and you know, some of this talk, it, it really uh, jogs my memory. 
it was pretty prevalent that there was a feeling that, that Jimmy Crockett and Dusty were so close and so tight that anything that Dusty wanted, Jimmy would do. Of course he had him under a spell. Exactly. That's what a lot of people thought. And that's why the attitude was so bad. And that's why people missed, missed shots. They said, fuck it. We're tired of the shit. We're tired of, of whatever dusty wants Jimmy will do. And that's just the way it was. And it, 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 listen, I, uh, I loved dusty. It was very close to him and he meant a lot to my career. So I stayed out of it. I had, there was nothing that they did to me personally that made me feel that dusty was doing anything wrong by me. Now they brought in Jr to work with me and Jr took up a lot of, uh, let's track a this. Lot of, Barry Windham, right. David Crockett, JJ Dillon. This is, uh, not too long before JJ's out of here too. Let's take a listen. Heavyweight champion, Barry Windham, JJ, David Crockett. What you just saw was a wrestling clinic. That's it. Pure and simple. A wrestling clinic where Barry Windham just showed everybody in the world why he is the rightful holder of the United States championship belt. Now I understand that everybody in the world has problems. The wrestling world is no different. Jim Cornette was running his mouth for a long, long time, and now Paulie dangerously slapped him around and has got his attention. Mr. Cornette has a big, big problem. Now Lex Luger and Sting were a thorn in my side, the entire horseman, for a long, long time. They came that close on a couple of occasions of taking some things that were very dear to me. But now they've crossed wires with the Road Warriors, and I think Luger and Sting have a real problem as well. Now on a more personal level, I've had to listen for the last couple of weeks to Sir Oliver Humperdinck and this so-called beast from the East coming out here running their mouth about what they're going to do with the horsemen. They're throwing challenges at Ric Flair. They're throwing challenges at Barry Windham. Now, I've spent a lot of time in New Jersey because it's my home as well. I've spent a lot of time in the Big Apple of New York City, and I've walked around Times Square, and I've seen a lot of strange people, just like I think Bam Bam Bigelow is very, very strange. The only thing that makes him a little bit different is the fact that he does possess some wrestling ability, and he is somewhat of a threat, but the man has yet to be tested, and by tested I mean wrestling someone of the caliber of the world heavyweight champion nature boy Ric Flair or Barry Windham, but I am sick and tired of hump- What are you going to do about it, big boy? Man, they're breaking it loose right here. Bigelow just came out and stuck the biggest right hand in Wendell's face you ever saw. By this point, by the way, Bigelow had been on Vince's TV, so he was a big star. Right. You know what? You know what? You know what? Uh, we were, we've been telling the story about turmoil in the back. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at, it was a serious interview, but I'm looking at JJ's face and to me, JJ's face and his hair and his look to me, just mirrored all that turmoil. Dude, it's all over him. And by the way, it's worth mentioning four months after this interview, Barry's gone. Yeah. Three months after this interview, JJ's gone. I mean, it's really remarkable when you think about it, February of 89, JJ's out. March of yeah, 89, I'm, right? Um, Barry's out. The, JJ, JJ's the one that got me in the WWE, by the way. So, 
Yeah. So he goes in February, gets you there in, uh, did you go in April? I think. No. Well, actually I went in, uh, I went in February and the, the family didn't join me till April. I think that's right. Now help me understand the timeline on this. You've told me I before think. that Jim Ross goes in and negotiates the best contract you ever had. I assume that was not, um, with, with Crockett because they're hemorrhaging cash and headed out here. Right. I assume that that happened with Jim Hurd in January. Uh, yeah, right. And it wasn't too long after that, that I was gone. And, and a lot of that based on my understanding, and I could be wrong, correct it. If you will, is that you weren't happy just doing the syndication. You wanted to be the voice of the show and you felt like you had been replaced in that regard with Jim Ross. And even if you were making more money, you just didn't like the dynamic or was it, you didn't have confidence in the new leadership. What was the, or, or is it just Vince McMahon was such a force. Well, it's, a, it's a combination of all those things. I, I may have told you the story before, but. Oh, yeah, we got to listen I, to this. Hang on. Here's dusty baby. Okay. Thunder machine himself right here. You seen back, back, big and low. Bear Wyndham, Ric Flair. That's a test for you. JJ Dillon, you're out here talking about a test. You just got the test at it. And I'm going to give you some new news, baby. And the little Richard new news is the Bebop Lula new news is. And the Hokey for Pokey and the Coffee Color Cadillac is Dusty Rose the American Dream. Now it's all Muhammad Lee. And Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the east. Now I'm taking care of business down a big bam. Well, you know, Window, you got my face. And all you did was put gasoline on the fire. That's right. You know, Dylan's out here flipping his lips like he always does that he does the best at. Well, we just had the acid test. There you saw it. This man right here can handle Wyndham any day. And Flair, you're not far behind. With Dusty Rhodes as our partner, we fear no oh, we evil. This. We fear no Thunder. All right, more to come right here on Super Station. How, how can you not love Dusty Rhodes going out there and ripping off lines like Coffee Colored Cadillac, which is from a, a Chuck Berry song? I don't know if I, I'm just boy. This brings back so many memories. I, I don't really know if uh, we look how Rick Steiner looked back then. And he was this supposed is, to be world. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Six weeks from here, unbelievably, Dusty wanted Rick Steiner to be your world champion. Think about how different his life would have been. I think in hindsight, people think about his brother as being the more successful singles, but in this era, you know, Rick had been the TV champion and we know he's going to hold every tag team belt there was, but what if he had the big gold belt in six weeks? I mean, 1988, your world champions would have been unbelievably the macho man, Randy Savage and Rick Steiner. And of course we yeah. know that's not going to happen. Flair keeps it. And eventually his brother wins the world title, but it's just so fun to go back and look at this. So I'm, I'm watching that dusty interview just now. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm, if I'm right or not, I may be, but I just knowing how interviews were done back then, it almost seemed to me that dust, that that was supposed to be Humperdinck and bam, bam. He just took over. He just took over. He just walked out. And if dusty walks out and says something to David or me, like we're getting ready to do an interview, we would do an interview that I don't think they expected dusty to be out there, but he just, again, this may be dusty, just flexing his muscle. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it smacks of that. It was good because he was entertaining, but it smacks of that. Now, now let me also, uh, go back and talk about what 
uh, your contract, my contract. So, you know, I, I, I liked working with Jim cause Jim and I really hit it off really well, but there was part of me that thought, you know, maybe I'm being moved out here, but also there was all this turmoil going on and that didn't set well with me. You know, uh, again, I, as anybody would, you, you want, you want to be happy in your job and you don't want turmoil and you want to, to feel that you're working for a company that's on the right track. And obviously I was unsure about Jim Crockett promotions back then. And I had given up baseball. So I, I was full into wrestling. And then there was the fact that they're being sold to Turner and I had, we had worked with Turner, the Turner people, and they just didn't seem to me to be when I met with Jim Hurd and Jim Petrick or Jack Petrick, it just didn't seem to me to be a place I wanted to work. I didn't get a good vibe with Hurd and, and Petrick even though they offered me my best contract ever. And then JJ calls me and says, Vince wants to talk to you. And Vince called me and it, listen, if you're having Vince on one side, trying to sell you something in wrestling and you have Petrick and Hurt on the other side, there's no question what you're going to do. If you're a kid, just kind of just starting the sport. So it was, it was, it was a no brainer. So it was a combination of many things, but most of all, most of anything else. And then there's one more thing too. Okay. <laughs> that adds into this. Uh, but most of anything else was not wanting to work for herd and Petrie. And I say that. And then a year later, I come back when, when I, uh, no, when but, I was offered the, uh, the six figure contract, my first ever, right. And for some, for somebody who had, had never made over $20,000 in a year, it was obviously a big boost in money. When I made that, it was, it, it floored me and we still had the office at, in, uh, in Charlotte and we had a production guy who was in charge of our production. His name was Emerson Lawson. I understand that Emerson has since passed on Emerson. And I were friends. Emerson was just a good old country guy, really knew his shit. And he said to me, so he got offered some big money by Turner. I went, yep. He said, I got news for you. I said, what? He said, they're going to pay Jr. a lot more than you. I said, bullshit. He said, no, I said, he said, go to the bookkeepers. And we had bookkeepers up front. He says, they're, they're paying Jr. $50,000 more than they're paying you. And I went, you are shitting me. He said, no, I never checked it out because, and I, I, I always thought Emerson was bullshitting me because Emerson loved to bullshit me. But then there was something about that, that made me feel that. Cause Jim heard it said, I'm going to pay you and Jr. the exact same amount. I remember him saying that. And then Emerson tells me we weren't. And so I didn't know who to fucking trust. I didn't know if her, I didn't know if heard, maybe I should have checked it up, but I didn't check on it because we had a girl, Brenda, who worked in the uh, accounting office of Jim Crockett promotions, who I knew very well and was a friend. And she would have told me if she knew, but I didn't know if I could really trust her after that. And so that combined with the fact that I didn't want to work for Turner. I left. All right. A lot to unpack there in hindsight. Why did you not, you said, I didn't want to work for Patrick and I didn't want to work for herd. Now your entire faith and confidence in herd was shaken by a guy who worked in production named Emerson. It wasn't 
anything you observed or verified, just rumoring innuendo from one of the bizoys? No, 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 no. My, my, uh, my confidence in Jim Hurd was shaken. Oh, we'll go track this. No, I think you should tell us what he's saying here. Okay. All right. Well, David Crockett, a couple of things. Here's this. That I, I wanted a, a Red Sox uh, coat, and they wouldn't give me one, so I put on the stinking University of Michigan bullshit coat. But that's okay, because I'm waiting in the wings. If something happens to Dusty, I'm going to take over the book. And they tell me that George Scott may take over the book. Get out of my fucking way. I'll take off this shit, man. That George Scott waiting in the wings. And the, the fact is, why in the world would they bring in George Scott? Because the wrestling business has passed him by. Okay, so I put on this Syracuse thing. And, oh, wait, 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 Kev. Uh, uh, Syracuse is orange, and this is maize and blue. And I, I want you to, I want you, uh, I want you, uh, I'm going to be the world champion is what I've been told. Yep, that's what I've been told. There, there, I said it. I'm going to be the world champion. Fuck you. Fuck you. Ha, ha, ha. He said, fuck you. Ha, 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 uh, 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 let's get out of here. Yeah. George Scott bullshit. All right. Turmoil exists. We'll be back. No, it, it did not listen. I did not make the jump and I did not, not trust her based on what Emerson Lawson told me. I didn't trust Jim Hurd after meeting with he and Jack Patrick. I didn't get a good feeling. I thought that I, I'm thinking in my mind that this is, these guys don't know what they're doing. And I, I don't, it's not that I think that I did. I hadn't been in the wrestling business that long that I was a know-it-all and I knew more than them, but I just got the feeling that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And then when you talk to Vince Conrad, there's no there's no comparison there. He did. And that it was, and yeah, I was going to hear what Vince had to say because I had a, a, a growing family and I wanted to make as much money as I could. And you know, the WWE F back then was a big deal. And so I was going to listen to Vince. And once I talked to Vince, Jesus, there was no question. There was no question what I was going to do. So no, I wasn't Emerson. It was the fact that I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel it would work. And I, Hey, I was right. And unfortunately I was, I was right there through all of it when it didn't work for Jim Hurd and didn't work for Kip Fry and didn't work for cowboy bill Watts. And, but here's the thing. What wasn't, wasn't some of it just set up to fail, just a lack yeah. of understanding and the way. Yeah. Just, I've always said, I've always, that. People blame the, the demise of WCW on many things. They blame it on me. They blame it on Hogan. They blame it on the political maneuvering. Lash LaRue. Lash LaRue. But the, the fact is, is that it was set up to fail. It always was set up to fail. It was going to fail. Turner was not going to be in the wrestling business that long because number one, they didn't know what to do with it. Number two, they were a television company. And number three, in reality, too many people in the higher levels, didn't like it. And there was one man that kept it afloat and that was Ted Turner. And once Ted Turner was out, it was going to fail faster. And that's, that's it set up to fail. No way, no way we were going to last. I, I make the, the casual comment many times to people that, uh, and I, and I do it in jest 
but you know, businesses back, uh, in the day when they couldn't pay their bills and they were in trouble. A lot of times collectors would have the sheriff come and put a lock on the door, chain the door shut business is over. You owe too much money. That's it. And I would say one of these days, the sheriff's going to come by and lock the doors of WCW. Look, and we're going to be out of business. And I thought about that often. Eric prolonged it. Eric gave us a light at the end of the tunnel that was quickly closed up. But, uh, it was, uh, talk to me a little bit about the Jim Ross contract thing. I'm, I'm really yeah. struggling with, and I think there's a lesson that everyone can learn from this. Tell me a little bit about how on the one hand you're saying I got the biggest contract I'd ever had. I've been making 20 grand a year. Now I'm making at least five times my best year. But when I found out that somebody else might be making more than me, I was like, fuck this. No, no. See, you're putting words in my mouth and you're wrong. Okay. That's not what I said. I said what I met with Jim Hurd and then talked to Vince McMahon who offered me $40,000, basically $40,000 more than Turner did. Then I said, I'm going. I did not look at the, what they said I was making less than Jr. I did not look at that and say, fuck it. I'm gone. I didn't. And I don't want that to be misconstrued. And you're trying to spin that another way, which is what you usually do with me. Well, that's not exactly true. You did. So, By the way, explain what they're saying right here. They're saying that, Hey, that as you can see, we have a picture of the sheep herders and, uh, Rip Morgan. And there's the United States of America. Hey, whoa. And as you can see, there's, uh, the New Zealand flag, which is a plunger. And we are putting the United States of America down the toilet. They are the shits, absolutely the shits. And we don't know a why we're here with the exception was we were in with Bill Watts and we came a part of the deal. A the deal is we're going to bleed more than anybody. And you know, David Crockett, we are also going to wrestle in the worst match ever seen. That's going to be a bonus in the heroes of wrestling that you'll be able to see pretty soon on ad free shows. And then maybe later on what happened when, because we like this sign in 19, whatever it is, are going to be the shits, but we're going to go to the WWE and become the bushwhackers and make more money ever and be over. And I also want to say Tony Schiavone is telling the truth. Conrad Thompson's trying to spin it which we know he'll do what, why is the guy behind me with a green tongue? I don't know. But anyway, we are the sheep herders. We are from New Zealand and hey, hey, we are going to become the bushwhackers and be famous. Whoa. Oh boy. Who does he smell bad? And we'll be back. Lex Luger versus Trent Knight. Old peanut head is your referee. Hmm. Trent, uh, sporting quite a mullet there, isn't he? Ooh. <laughs> what do you think about Lex and the red tights? Yeah. 
You know, I, I just, I, I, you know, I got a feeling about this. Another feeling about what we just saw. What? A lot of times they would start in the ring. Yeah. You see how Lex kind of walked to the ring there. Yep. Bet you anything. People are saying Lex, can somebody find Lex? Can we get his ass to the ring? It's Lex go through that goddamn curtain and get in the ring. Just get the feeling that he should have been in the ring. By the way, just to keep you abreast of what's going on here, we just saw the sheep herders. Yeah. One month later, they worked for Vince McMahon. Yeah. And they had the best push of their career. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Whoa. The best. Whoa. Tell them, brother, cousin. I think that's what they called each other. Whatever, brother, cousin. Cousin. So anyway, I just put a wrap on that. No, it had nothing to do with how much money I was being offered. Hey, do you ever play Mario Kart with your wife? I, I, I used to. Really? Uh, years years ago, yeah. But back when it was, uh, gosh, we had uh, we had all the uh, incarnations of the Nintendo. We had the first one. We had Nintendo 64. We had Super Nintendo. And I played, I think, Mario uh, Kart for Nintendo 64. And did you ever cheat to beat Lois? Uh, Lois never played. I played against the kids oh. and I never, I never cheated. No, really. How do you, how do you cheat? I don't know, but a friend of ours got hemmed up this past weekend. Uh, what, well, what allegedly Carl Anderson got caught cheating in Mario Kart. Really? Yep. When he fell asleep, his wife wrote all over him with a permanent marker. I'm going to guess that alcohol was involved in that Mario Kart incident. Okay. I've got to, I've got to text that some bitch and see what the story is. Nope. Don't do that. Oh, I don't. take Mario Kart real seriously down there. Okay. Just let it. Well, that's probably, that's probably some of the problem. Don't you think? Let the heat dissipate. Fade the heat. No. Have no, you ever no, seen no. a stiff I, leg? Listen, Look at this hey. stiff leg torture eggs. You see that? That motherfucker got rigor mortis out of a torture rack. So listen, don't, don't tell me to fade the heat. And the reason I'm telling you not to tell me to fade the heat is because that's not what you would do. Oh, I mean, I've said you, you come across as this, uh, that's this guy who, uh, is, uh, giving me great advice on, but you wouldn't do it. Shit. You jump all, you jump in that with both feet. Guess how many times I've texted him about his Mario Kart. Uh, you're going to tell me zero point zero. By the yeah. way, what's Lex Luger saying right now? Uh, Lex Luger saying, <sighs> I was backstage and people don't realize that I blew up. I blew up even before I came through the curtain. So I did a stiff leg rack because, you know, <sighs> where was I? Okay. I, because I, uh, I'm blowed up, man. Uh, I need to get jacked up in the back again. And one of these days, uh, they, the, I'm going to be taking so much uh, juice that uh, these nuts are going to be the size of raisins. <sighs> That's me. Okay. I can talk now. I feel better. Ah, I'm back up. I'm talking big. Just take a look at my body. Yeah, man. Take a look at my traps. But guess what? You can't see my traps because my hair's over it. Ha. Huh. So why should I even work on my traps if I got my hair covering my traps? Here's the fact. Everybody in the world knows that I'm better looking. Everybody in the world knows that I make a whole lot of money and everybody in the world knows that I really can't work, but that's not the deal. The deal is all these people out here realize that once Turner takes over this company, I'm blown up again. 
Turner takes over this company that I'm going to have the biggest contract ever. And it's going to be so big. I'm not going to have to peel my own shrimp. I'm going to find people in the bar to peel it for me because David, as you know, you don't like to walk around hitting on girls with what stinky fingers, bad news. Here's the deal. My index finger, my thumb, they are never, as you can see right there, they're never stinky. Yeah. Yeah. They're never stinky because I don't peel my own shrimp and I'm going too long and I'm running out of things to say, Dusty, if you're in the back, for God's sake, wrap me up. I blew up walking into the curtain. I blew up in the match. I'm blowing up now. And we're going to blow him up and be back right after this timeout. <laughs> He's still going. Jesus Christ. I'm blowing up too. I'm going to take all the time I can because JR doesn't let me talk. So there you go. Oh, the college scoreboard is next. And this is going to be in the 80s. So we're going oh, to see here we how go. bad. What's that? So excited. Flair versus George South. Let's track it a little bit. And here he comes, the nature boy, Ric Flair, going up against George South. And the second hour kicks off. Not only seeing the world heavyweight champion this hour, but fans, we're also going to relive the situation of last week with Jim Cordette, Paulie Dangerously, and of course the original Midnight Ex So Flair there rocking the, uh, that is the uh, Darius Rucker, a.k.a. the Hootie and the Blowfish robe that uh, I believe Flair donated for charity to the uh, I don't know, some basketball foundation or something, some sort of cancer benefit years ago. And, uh, Darius Rucker riding high on that hooting the blowfish money won that robe and now proudly posted on Instagram every now and again. And George South, who is one of the most, uh, prolific enhancement talents of all time and an all around great guy is about to give the world champion more than he's expecting. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She is easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye-flawless, near-colorless, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent, full, one-carat, round, brilliant-cut diamond is only... Thirty-one ninety-eight. How about that? Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus, free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Stephen's showroom is open by appointment only. Or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love engagement ring. Stephen Singer Jewelers. Real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com save with Conrad.com makes saving money fast and easy. Just ask Nicholas in Texas. We hooked him up. He left us a five-star review and here's what he had to say. I was skeptical that a mortgage refinance could truly be this simple. At no point did I feel any pressure. Instead, Jimmy and the team at save with Conrad.com treated me like royalty. I got an amazing interest rate, a lower monthly payment. And when even, 
and was even able to get some cash out to do some much needed remodeling. Huge props to save with Conrad. Here's the thing. No matter what you're looking to do, we can make it happen and cheaper than you ever thought possible. Maybe your wife has always wanted to remodel, but maybe the timing wasn't right. If you want to upgrade your kitchen or your bathrooms, or maybe even add a man came with no money out of pocket, check savewithconrad.com can help. Maybe you've got some credit card debt and you've been feeling stuck making minimum payments. Want to get rid of that debt for good? Check savewithconrad.com can help with that. Especially this time of year, wouldn't it be nice if you could pocket your house payment money for a couple of months and instead reallocate those funds for Christmas so you didn't put Christmas on a credit card? Check at savewithconrad.com. You'll skip your next two house payments. How about this? Do you want the best interest rate you've ever had? Savewithconrad.com can hook you up. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time at savewithconrad.com. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. So once again, having called George to acknowledge that he had indeed told me the truth, I asked him to tell me the whole story again, and he quickly reminded me that it was a match Rick didn't want to have to begin with. When you quote, when you got the TV, you found out he would actually work. Rick was scheduled to work for the first time in a while, but he didn't really want to. He just gotten in from Pittsburgh after being up all night and had to catch an early plane to Ohio after the taping. That studio was so cold. He didn't want to work and then have to shower and have that wet hair and rush to the airport. Indeed, a quick review of those notes from those Saturday night shows in the fall of 88 showed that Rick didn't wrestle on any TBS studio taping that summer or fall until this November 12th show. He did lots of those classic interviews, but he didn't work in the ring. Quote, he and Dusty sort of got into it right there in front of everyone. And Dusty told him he was going to have to wrestle. So Rick threw his bag on a chair and said, well, then I want South. And I asked George if he remembered who he was scheduled to work or if he remembered who Flair was supposed to work, but he didn't recall. All I know is Rick changed it. And now I was working with him. Rick got dressed. And as we were at the curtain about to go out, he looked at me and says, buddy, today you're Ricky steamboat. My heart skipped a beat. I almost peed in my pants. And he says, uh, Rick started calling all these spots and I was going a hundred miles an hour. I was having the time of my life, but I was rushing. I got so blowed up in there. I was really hurting. And, um, back on the podcast with me and Rick, Rick said, dusty was hollering at me. What are you doing? And I said, you know, I'm not going to beat a guy like George South in one minute. Sorry. He was so annoyed with dusty. I think he would have let me beat the end of become the NWA champion just to get back at him. He was doing all of this just to tick him off. Mm. And you say on the show, if there was ever a clinic in pro wrestling, we're watching it. The world champion nature boy, Ric Flair against George South showing us a variety of moves during the break. They actually took a commercial, which never happened in this era on this show. Well, it, it actually, it actually did. It happened earlier. Uh, but during the Barry Wyndham Curtis Thompson match, I'm just saying a 15 minute match like this. Y'all know you're right. Not common. You know, you're right. And I can all, I can almost, because dusty was in the control room, you know, during this, he kind of sat in there or, or stood in, in back of Tommy Edwards, our director. And, and, you know, he always would say, as I did with that Luger interview, you know, dusty would wrap you up when he thought you were done. That's you wouldn't go out and say, you got two minutes. You go out and you talk until dusty had had enough. 
I'm sure that Dusty was in the back really saying, wrap these guys up. Now, the the referee wasn't wired for sound like they are today, so there was no way to tell the referee to go home, and I'm sure that the longer it went, the more pissed off Dusty got in the backstage area. What was that? It fell all over the place. It's so fun. It's so fun to to go back and watch this. Uh, George would say, oh, it's all funny now, but it wasn't funny back then. I've never been so blowed up in all my life. Kevin Sullivan was sitting in a chair right inside the door, watching the monitor. He looked down at me crawling on the floor and laughed. Not so much laughing to be mean, just laughing as if to say, brother, we've all been there. Yeah. Right. I don't think there was a wrestler in that locker room who hadn't been blown up at one time or another by Ric Flair. It's fun to go back and watch this stuff with the benefit of hindsight and context. Is it not? Yeah, I'm enjoying this show. I'm enjoying this show for many reasons. Obviously the many stories that we've told. And I mean, there realistically, there's nothing really to in, in, in it's, uh, standing alone, nothing to enjoy about controversy between two guys that I loved two guys that we're talking about two guys who were the reason I'm in the business. Right. So it's, there's nothing enjoyable about that, but the backstory is pretty enjoyable. And there you go. Again, I, when I see this, you know what I think? I think you're never really a good wrestler until you've beaten someone. And Ric Flair made George South look good. And when he beat him, it meant a lot more. Now that was the old school mentality and that uh, lived a lot during, during house shows. You didn't always do that for, for TV matches, but, and, and this also, this also a match like this really was where we as announcers. Oh, we got to track this. Come on. Okay. Go ahead. The world heavyweight champion, Ric Flair, and his manager, confidant, J.J. Dillon. Well, it's not that we feel we make the wrestling world go round, but in our own humble way, we feel like we've got something to do with it. So you see, right now, what we're talking about is real life combative sport. People get hurt. People have their careers ended. They make millions of dollars or they go broke. Dusty Rhodes, you walked out here 20 minutes ago and you made a pact with a man for a number of reasons, all of them personal. I need tests. Bam, bam. The Beast of the East, Bigelow, and Bigelow, oh jeez, please look into the sky and think about what you've done. Don't look at Humper Dink, you Bigelow have put your hands on the hottest property in sports. You have put your hands on the four horsemen and Dusty Rhodes. In your sheepish way, you've come out here to back his play. Oh, 
boy, oh boy, are we gonna kick some butt across this country? Forget about titles. Forget about honor. Look at it like this. We say we're the best. You don't believe that. So as we march across this country, styling and profiling, leaving women like a path of destruction, there are gonna be some pain and some blood and some sweat felt at the hands of two guys that weren't believers. And let me just take one moment to say, no love lost between me and Animal Hawk. But boy, I love walking into those bars between woo, woo, animal, and woo, hawk, and stinging luger. Oh boy, can you see it now? Barry, Rick, hawk, animal, oh boy. It's the best wrestling going today. It's right here on Superstation TBS. How much did David Crockett still love the wrestling business? Oh my God. He still does today. Yeah. We, uh, we had a show in. in How about, how about this enhancement title? I mean, this enhancement talent's name. It's not Randy Savage. It's not Hulk Hogan. It's, uh, Randy Hogan. Randy Hogan. Anyway, we had a, uh, we had a, a, an AEW show in Charlotte and David came out and was talking to me. He said, man, do I miss this? I just really miss it. And I knew he did. He missed, you know, being, being backstage. Randy Hogan, not only, uh, was given the name, but he had to kind of like the haircut and the mustache. Of course he? he did. Yeah. I wish yeah. the WWF at the time would have had an enhancement talent name. Maybe they could have had a tag team that demolition could have destroyed. And they yeah. could have called them like, uh, dusty flair and Rick, Rick Rhodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then again, they, they never did. They never did acknowledge. Nope. Until they got Hogan and uh, until the attitude era, when they had Hogan and Savage, they started calling it the nacho man and the huckster. Yeah. Right. But we're still a ways away. You know, what's fun this past weekend. I, uh, I was hanging out with my pal, Bruce Mitchell from the torch. Really? And he said, Hey, did you ever see flair backland in Georgia? I said, no. So we fired it up and it's from the early eighties. And of course, flair was NWA champion. I think during his first run backland, of course, still has the belt. So it's probably 81, 82. Anyway, it was weird to watch it in the context of as long as I've been watching wrestling, which was about this time, late 88 forward with the exception of two years, we'll call it, uh, summer of 96 to summer of 98. The WWF was always the premier wrestling organization in America. Like they were big time. They were number one and it wasn't close. Yeah. And then of course you guys with uh, the height of the NWO. 96, 97, 98 until Austin got super hot. They made him champ that carried you. And you guys were the clear number one for two years. 
but that was not the case in the early eighties because part of me was like, man, it must've been a big deal, you know, for flair to be able to wrestle the WWF world champion. And then it clicked like now, buddy, Georgia championship wrestling had the big cable deal and Ric Flair in the NWA world title was it. That was not like just old Southern folks who believe that the territory system was very much prevalent. The NWA world title was the big deal. And the WWF title at the time was just this regional shit. Yeah. And it wasn't until years later that that dynamic changed. And when it changed, it changed essentially forever, but it was just weird to think about for a minute. Wait a minute. There was a time when the NWA was bigger than the WWF. And of course I'd heard that and I, I believed it and blah, blah, blah. But it was weird just for a moment. I kind of forgot that and thought, man, that must've been a cool deal for flair to be able to wrestle the WWF world champion, but that shit didn't mean anything back then relative to the NWA title. It, uh, it meant, uh, this is the way Judy has to handle Cassio around the house, by the way. Just put a fucking blanket over his head. He just roots around, hits stuff. Roots around looking for potatoes, mashed potatoes. Look at that, uh, the panel on the front of that podium coming off. I, I want to, I, I know we got Jim Cornette coming up. I want, I want to track that because he's just, oh, we have to too, too good, not the track, but I wanted to, to respond to that and, and say that it depended on where you lived, kinda what was big. And I know the NWA title was the biggest because the NWA was in as a shoot, a coalition of, of promoters that work together. But if you're in New York, the WWF or the WWWF title was the biggest. If you were in Minnesota, the AWA title, and I do remember, and I don't know where I remember it. It may have been in Greensboro <laughs> and meeting the desk. Oh God. <laughs> it really is Cassia. <laughs> this don't taste like mashed potatoes. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Judy. Don't open that front door till I finish. Cause I'm going to go right for me. These taters have taken a shit. This is some crazy shit here. <laughs> you just, this is what you call improvising buddy. <laughs> he ate my time one time too. Uh, and I, I think I've documented that. So. What were we talking about? Where was a man, a guy gnawing on the desk, got my attention. Yeah, dad, as well. It should. <laughs> he just, he's probably thinking in his mind. Okay. Let's get this fucking interview over with. <laughs> I, I think I'm done. Oh, thank God. <laughs> down fella down, big fella. Let me put that mask on your head. There you go. What was I talking? I can't even remember what I was talking about. We're promoting the next clash of the champions seasons beatings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy. Oh, here we go. got to track this. I'll witness what was a horrible, brutal attack on Jim Cornette, especially. And of course, beautiful Bobby and sweet stay in the midnight express and Paulie dangerously out here at the Don't top. Don't mention of the that name in front of me. 
Last time anybody saw the Midnight Express, we were in that ring. They were laying face down. Now look like a reject from Friday the 13th, part 7. Well, I've had a week to look at that jacket and look at this head in the mirror. But in case anybody else wants their memory refreshed just a little bit, I know you got a piece of tape. Get that out of the way, and then i got a few things I want to say, brother. Take a look. How it happened last week. They're telling me what to do. Please. Hold on. Hello? Somebody ought to tell you what to do. Hello? So they're playing the, the phone call again. Yeah, they're playing, they're playing the whole thing. By the way, we should mention that the readers of the Wrestling Observer wrote in to Dave and said that this episode uh, from the prior week here, November 5th, was the best episode of TV on TBS in a long, long time. And he thought that the, the writer, uh, the reader rather, who wrote in, said that um, it was evident to him that these Turner changes had already happened. He attributed the quality of that show being so much better to the Turner change. Yeah, completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, they're not doing that yet. They're not doing anything. That probably was Paulie dangerously writing in with an assumed name and to try to deflect uh, that he was really Paulie dangerously. He said that. So now, uh, Cornette hangs up the phone and we're going to get to the angle. Let's track it. I ain't going to tell you who it was. It don't matter a bit who it was, but Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. There's Dennis Condry. That's that other guy. That's Randy Rose. Condry used to be with us. That's Paulie Dangerously. They don't even wrestle here. They don't even wrestle. They're not a part of the NWA at all. He just nailed him right in the face with that portable phone. These guys don't even wrestle here. Dennis Condra used to be in the Midnight Express. And they go with a phone on the head of Sweet Stan. Cornette's busted open. Jimmy Cornette has been busted open. Cornette is bleeding. He can't even stand up. They... Bobby Eaton, they're working on his leg. They're double teaming Stan. Good Lord, look at Cornette. Oh, my God. He hit him right in the face with that telephone, and it busted him from ear to ear. And now Cornette's been brought back in the ring. Somebody needs to get in here and stop this. Cornette is not a wrestler, and he's being held up at the mercy of Paulie Dangerously. Randy Rose, Dennis Condry, men that we know call themselves the original Midnight Express. And they have literally burst on the scene here at the Superstation, and it is nothing but carnage in the ring. Unprovoked attack on Cornette has been, I mean, this is brutality here, and the Rose and Con- Well, nothing more we can say about that, but I know you have a plenty to say. <laughs> that's real good, Polly. That's real, that's almost worthy of me, brother. Almost worthy of me and the real Midnight Express, you know? Jimmy Crockett, Tommy Edwards, all the people at TBS, everybody that has anything to do with this program staying on the air have already told me, don't say what you want to say, Jim Cornette, or we'll never stick you in front of a camera again. So this is the censored version. As soon as that happened, my mama found out that I got hurt. She called me up. She said, Jimmy, come on home. Don't worry about it. I'll have the lawyers take care of everything. You get out of professional wrestling. It's too dangerous. It's all over with. And I said, Mama... You're going to have to get over it, darling, because it's about damn time I did something on my own. Polly Dangerously, I'm going to tell you 
something right now, brother. It takes more than a couple of geeks. Yeah, that's right, geeks. I like that word, so I'm going to use it. It takes more than a couple of geeks wearing funny-looking clown outfits with original Midnight Express on the back, copying our moves, and taking our name to be the Midnight Express. Dennis Condry, you say you carried Bobby Eaton around. Well, at first, it was an equal partnership, Dennis, but toward the end, Bobby Eaton was carrying your big, fat butt around. That's what actually happened. Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry were never the U.S. Tag Team Champions for 15 months. Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane were. Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry were never the Tag Team of the Year. Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane were. Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry were the World Tag Team Champions, but so were Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane, and they beat a better team to win them and beat better teams while they had them. So as far as I'm concerned and everybody in this country, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane are the Midnight Express. Now let me just come up here, guys, and let me just hold this up. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm talking to Polly dangerously right now. Polly, I have spent five years of my life. I have devoted five years of my life to trying to help make the Midnight Express the greatest tag team in professional wrestling. And during those five years, I have been beat up. I've been busted open. I have been stripped naked and knocked off a three-story scaffold. And I've deserved half of it, but I've took all of it. I'm still here, and I'll be damned if I'm a little jerk like you. Come in here, take my job. Bully Dangerously, what you are is a cross between Michael Keaton and Jim Belushi. You're a punk with a suit two sizes too big and a Jim Cornette joke book slapped in your back pocket. Well, I tell you what we're going to do. You want to fight for the name? We'll fight for the name. And I'm going to keep this jacket. And when that fight's over with and everybody knows we're the real Midnight Express, then we're going to tear this thing in three pieces. And Bobby's going to take a sleeve and Stan's going to take a sleeve and stick it down Dennis Condry and Randy Rose's throats. And I'm going to ball the rest of it up, Polly. And I don't know which orifice on your body's the biggest. I think it's your mouth, but I may have to stretch one. And I'm going to ram this thing straight up to the elbow, up that very self-same hole. We'll be back after this timeout. Uh, Tony, uh, we may have seen one of the best interviews ever in the history of professional wrestling. I would agree. That is top 10, no matter how you fucking slice it. I hate that. And he don't hate it, but I hate that Jim Cornette has become a polarizing figure where people have such strong opinions one way or another. I mean, that's probably the very idea, but God damn, no matter what you think of Jim Cornette's podcast or his take on modern wrestling. And by the way, I still listen to his show every week. I'm a fan. That right there is undeniably top 10 all-time promo. Maybe you wanted to see the match, didn't it? I'm ready now. Yes, sir, baby. That's why Jim Cornette will. That's just one of the samples of why Jim Cornette will go down as one of the greatest of all time. You know, it's, it was a goosebump moment. I'm not saying that as, as you know, hyperbole dude, it was fucking all over me. Like, you know, there's, there's. That stupid old cliche, people will forget what you said or what you did, but they won't forget how you made them feel. Yeah. I felt something during that promo and you know, a lot of times, and listen, I love ECW, but last week, November to remember 2000, it's a big moment for a friend of ours, friend of the show, Steve Carino winning the world title. But it felt like outside of that moment, I was just sort of going through that, that match was just going, or that show was just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. This show at times can feel like it. We, we garnish it up and we talk about 
the behind the scenes maneuvering and what Dave Meltzer said and what was going on with Rhodes and Flair and Crockett and Petrick and blah, blah, blah. Boy, we didn't need anything except just fucking shut up and listen. And Jim Cornette, whoo, I'm fired up, man. What a great, great interview. Going to give it Meltzer stars. You give it six. Yeah. My God. <laughs> it's almost as if I want to say, let's re-rack it and let's do it again. Yeah. Ah. Let's finish this and let's go back and do it again. Cause it's that good. It was tremendous. Good By the stuff. way, we should mention, we got hot stuff. Eddie Gilbert tagging here mm-hmm. with Ron Simmons. Yeah. Ron Simmons, as we know, very well-established, legitimate, badass amateur athlete. I mean, one of the all-time greats on the gridiron for Florida state. I think a lot of people thought he was a can't miss prospect, but in this era, I don't think it can be argued. A lot of people felt like Eddie Gilbert was one of the brightest young talents in the business, had a, a genius mind for the business, knew how to have fans in the palm of his hand, so to speak, if you will. And it felt like this guy's going to be a big deal in wrestling for a long time, a power player, if you will. And then of course we know he passed away way, way too soon, but pretty, uh, pretty big time tag team here, Ron Simmons and Eddie Gilbert. Yeah. I agree with everything you say about Eddie Gilbert, not only from what he could do in the ring, but how he, how he had a great mind for the business. And I thought he was going to be a, a force for a long, long time in wrestling. He just, he knew his shit died when he was like 33, I think. Oh man, just terrible. And, um, there's that big shoulder block from Ron Simmons. That's going to do it. But yeah, I had, uh, had a lot of time for Eddie Gilbert. Plus he was, you know, hooking up with Missy Hyatt and Medusa, by the way, we should mention he, 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 uh, he had quite the run here. What? He married Missy Hyatt in 87. They divorced. And then, uh, he was briefly married to Medusa. Good God. Yeah. he, He was, he's your dream. He lived your dream. Literally. Yeah. Now I'm kind of pissed off at him. But we got the road warriors next, by the way, by the way, when they just leave it paused on a scene like that, don't you just wonder for a minute, did my internet fuck up? Yep. Sure do. All right. Let's track. Let's track. Here we go. He's out here. He knows you, man. He knows you very well. Dana Crockett, evidently Lex Luger don't know nothing about me or nothing about him. Listen, Luger. The only time I ever hung around with you going out to the bars at different nightclubs is to protect you so some little wrestling fan wouldn't kick your butt for mouthing off the same way you mouthed off to us. I was your protection, Luger, whether you like it or not. Now I'm not saying you don't look good. You and Sting both look great. But what you got are pretty muscles. You need beauticians and posing platforms. What we got here and what we built ourselves for. We have fighting muscles, which you don't have. We know how to take pain. That's what we built ourselves for. But most of all, we know how to dish it out. And that's what we do best. Tell him, Hawk. David Crockett. Lex Luger. Sting. I got a question for you. It's something I or animal don't understand. What's it like? to get the dog squat kicked out of you on national television and not be able to do anything about it. For you, it's gotta be tough. Me and Animal have never been in that situation. We've never gotten our butts kicked on national television. 
and then came out here and said we weren't scared? You're scared. Believe me. I know better. So do you. And Luger, you're right. We were never friends. In order to be a friend of mine, you gotta be a man. And you're not a man. You're nothing. We come out here, and what do the people do? They get off their chairs, they stand up and scream because they like these belts around our stinking waist. And that's something you're gonna have to live with. So, you dug a big hole. We'll dig it deeper. You ain't nothing, and we aims to prove it. Snack on danger, die on death, and dead men don't make money. David Crockett, I guess you see or you have seen what we did to win those belts. Now imagine in your own mind what we're going to do to keep those belts. Just imagine Sting and Luger in your minds what we would do to keep those belts because the bottom line is they mean a lot of money to us. And your beating us for those belts is almost as preposterous as saving those stupid whales were in Alaska. Ladies and gentlemen, the road war. I'm pretty sure a lot of people wanted to save the whales. Yeah, I was thinking there, as much as I love uh, Paul Ellering, that that interview should have closed with yep. with, with Hawk because he that was a pretty good Hawk interview. Boy, this is a blast from the past here. Is it just me or is this uh what do you make of this? What uh, the flag or the, uh, no, we, the, we know the, they're the, great the wrestlers holding the flag. We know they're great wrestlers. We know they're going to yeah. put on a great match in a minute. I'm all about waving the American flag. Okay. That's cool. But we got two guys here in tuxedo jackets with tails and, uh, bow ties on going around and literally hugging everyone in the crowd, mm-hmm. hugging everyone. Yeah. I. I don't know what to make of it other than the fantastics were a fantastic team. Oh, a fantastic team. Yeah, they were. And, uh, well, they're getting jumped here. Well, cause they're baby faces. They got to come from behind Bobby way. By the way, Tommy Rogers, no longer with us. Uh, he passed away not too terribly long ago, June 1st, 2015. Hmm. But if you're going to pass away, do it in Honolulu. Good yeah. for him. Bobby Fulton still, uh, alive and kicking, just celebrated a birthday last month. And he's the big six. Oh, now from Chillicothe, Ohio. Yes, sir. It's a little spot in the road. I think I've decided where I want to spend my final days. Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, no. San Diego. No grand Cayman. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Just want to go with a hurricane, huh? I'd soon go the hurricane is deal with the bullshit we have to deal with in the country. Oh, God damn. That's what I think I'm out. You pull me back in. I'm going to, I'm going to spend my final days in grand Cayman. No, you're not. You know, Sean Connery recently passed away. Yes, he did. And he died in the Bahamas. That's where he was when he passed away. Real Coxman. Yeah. And he spent the last years of his life. Just, and I know hurricanes come through. I get it. They don't come through every day, but looking at the beach, looking at the, the water, maybe sipping on a 
Margarita. Tony, you have access to a similar lifestyle here at my house downstairs. Anytime you want. And you come over and you say, oh, I'm going to get sunburned. Oh, I don't want skin cancer. Oh, I can't drink too much. Oh, this water's cold. You've become Lois, whether you know it or not. My God, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Just shoot me fucking now. Next thing you know, I'll be watching Fox News. Oh, no. Not going to TV. Tommy Rogers picks up the win here, doing a little strut, bringing Memphis to Atlanta here. How about this for a little tag team maneuver? Hmm. It's kind of a big time move. Oh, yeah. Especially for 88. Tommy did a great job of protecting, hitting his feet first. What do you think they're, uh, they're saying here? Okay. All right, here I am with the Fantastics, and let me ask you a question or two. What do you, why you have that American? Well, David Crockett, we've got that American flag because the country is in, is in turmoil. Tony Giovanni mentions all the time the country in turmoil, and I want to let you know that Chillicothe, Ohio, is not in turmoil. It may be a great place to live, but I don't really stay there that much because I'm on the road all the time now. Here's the deal, okay? I feel just like Shivani that the best place to end your life is in Grand Cayman, uh, sipping a margarita and uh, maybe uh, sitting on a lounge chair and letting people serve you. And uh, don't go anywhere near, uh, don't go anywhere near Conrad Thompson and the Infinity Pool that he's got there. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, don't go anywhere near the Infinity Pool, Conrad Thompson. You know why? Because you'll get so fucked up that weekend that you will say he'll lay in bed all Monday. So the deal is, you spend the last remaining years of your life. At Grand Cayman, don't go to Huntsville because you can't take it and you're an old fucker. And I would agree with you and Conrad that you, life, has become one miserable lump. You're a slug. You're worthless. You're no good. One time you were a big, yeah, wow. All right, we're out of time for Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. I'm David Crockett. See you next time on World Championship Wrestling. Tony, I don't know shit about TV. I'll admit that. But in hindsight... Was this the best way to end this show? You had so much great stuff on here. Should we not have ended after the midnight's promo or with the flair George South thing? It just feels like there were other things rather than, and don't get me wrong. Big fan of the fantastics. Love that double team maneuver, put it over best I could, but it's like we could have ended the show a little differently. What say you? I agree. Do you think that was the plan? I mean, that was obviously the plan there. There was, there was a, uh, it was important for everybody to talk, right? To get them over, right? I, I think obviously they could have looked at that and positioned it differently because obviously Cornette would have been the way to end it. Well, unfortunately, we're getting ready to end today's show. We hope you guys had fun doing what we're with what we're doing here. Next week we're doing something really fun. We're going back in time to November sixteenth, nineteen eighty five, for Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and you're probably wondering, okay, what happened there? Well, this is sort of the worst of times with dusty and Crockett and flair, but we're going to the best of times. It's the build for Starcade 85. We're going to watch this particular episode, November 16th, 1985, because it's the infamous or famous rather hard times promo. You know, when people talk about Ric Flair promos, they always talk about 
wheeling, dealing, kiss, dealing, blah, blah, blah. When they talk about dusty roads, one of the all time greats on the mic, they talk about hard times and we're going to watch it next week, uh, which is essentially the bill for Starcade 85. And then our Thanksgiving day tradition, well-established here on the program. We're going to watch Starcade 85 together to round out the month of November. And uh, we're going to keep the hits going as we venture through all, a lot of this Crockett stuff. And on December 2nd, we're going to watch the December 3rd, 1988 world championship wrestling. And that's sort of a follow-up to what we just watched. We're fresh on the heels of Starcade, and he's, he being dusty is going to have the road warriors spike him in the eye and get color at a time when Turner said that was a no, no. We got a lot of fun, old school Crockett stuff coming up here in the next few weeks. And I'm fucking pumped about it, Tony. It's a good, it's a good time. I, I, it brings back a lot of good and bad memories, but overall, uh, Conrad, when you talk about doing studio wrestling at on Techwood drive, yep. those are good memories more than bad. It's, uh, it's fun to go back and revisit them. The more good than bad. Now don't get me wrong. We still got plenty of bad coming your way. Uh, coming as a bonus later this month, we've got the heroes of wrestling pay-per-view, which is arguably yeah. the worst pay-per-view in history, which is not what people are saying about this past weekend's full gear. If you missed it, go grab it on pay-per-view. Tony, I know you had fun. I guess I should wish you a happy belated birthday. Of course I texted you and called you and you voicemailed me like always, but I just wanted to express that here because I know everyone listening was wondering if I was even going to acknowledge that you turned 69 years old this no, past week. No, see, again, you're spinning things wrong. I'm, I'm not even close to 69. Well, that's not what you were telling the girls in the makeup chair this past weekend. Oh, geez. I had multiple people text me saying, is Tony really 69? LOL. You got spies everywhere. Don't you? I do. I got stooges. That's, that's the best way to say it. Well, listen, uh. Now that I realize you got some, uh, some eating to do, I feel like it's about that time. Speaking of stooges, ladies and gentlemen, take a look at this tag team. It's Abdullah the butcher and Cassio kid. Abdullah the butcher is gnawing on the desk. Cassio kid is gnawing on a tater. My God, look at the size of these two. They're going to be able to win their matches with the mash tater belly bump. We're desperately out of time. We'll see you next time. <clears throat> On what happened when we come to you on Wednesdays on Westwood one, and we come to you Mondays on, did you have a hair right there? Uh, hair ball. <coughs> Patron. <laughs> so are you going to the dentist to get your hair cut now? Stop it. By the way, the best way to introduce what happened when to the wrestling fan in your life is to direct them to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash WHW. They can sample some clips, get a little sneak preview of upcoming episodes. And there is some cool bonus content coming your way, but maybe the best thing of all, I've got lots of fun giveaways planned coming up at youtube.com forward slash WHW. It's absolutely free to subscribe and who could forget LoisRules.com. Uh, we're adding new terrible designs for awful t-shirts all the time at LoisRules.com. Plus we've got tons of new gimmicks over at boxofgimmicks.com. Like for the cold weather months, we could put some classic designs on the hoodies. There's lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the, what happened when community. So hit that subscribe button right now for free at youtube.com forward slash WHW. 
grab yourself a shirt at loisrules.com or get a hoodie, a tumbler, or whatever other swag you're looking for at boxofgimmicks.com. And if you'd like to advertise your product, business, or service here on the show and hear Tony shill for you, well, it's easy at advertisewithconrad.com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. 